to Sin City with Nick Menezes and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Hello everybody, I am one of your hosts, Nick Manessis. Today we will be discussing the Terminator franchise with our first guest here, Mason Seville. Is that how you pronounce it by the way? Uh, yeah, I can kind of accept that or Sal, awesome. honestly. Awesome. So, hello Mason. Hi, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. So, how's it, before we get to today's show how how are you doing man like how are classes going uh it's going okay i think uh not too bad uh kind of have a lot of stuff coming up these last couple of weeks so very busy but um you know it's good not not too much i i suppose as long as i can get there in time nice man it's good to hear to those of you unaware, Mason hosted along with CMRU alumni Matthew Merriman a, another podcast all about movies. It's available now here on CMRU.ca, which we had for Karen's class. Which, by the way, good job too, man. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Sure. So we discussed that. You are a huge fan of the action-packed, macho-style films, such as the Terminator films. Is that correct? Yeah, that definitely. I was kind of raised on these kind of movies. Um, I used to go camping, and uh, mm. not like real camping, but like the RV trailer-style camping. Wow. <laughs> so we used to have the uh, the uh, VHD, uh, the VHS, and we'd uh, watch all the old old movies that my grandma had. So I used mm. to watch uh, Terminator Judgment Day quite a lot. Nice. Man, nice. And and that will be today's topic. So you meant you have rewatched both of them, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I rewatched them really uh, yesterday. I uh, really, really enjoyed them again just because it's been a while. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big one who goes back to rewatch films, even if, if I do really enjoy them. It's just not something I do nowadays that much. Uh, I try to like to find new stuff if I can. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely nice to go back and watch them. Almost nice, man. Yeah. And we'll be mainly talking about the first two films and not the other ones because just no, just no. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I, I kind of just like to think that they ended there. Yeah. You know, I don't think any of them are like completely awful. I'm not someone who's going to hate on them that much, but uh, I just think these two kind of tell the story that needs to be told, and that's about it. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, first things first. Let's start with the first Terminator. Released in 1984. Uh, your thoughts, man, on the first one? It was uh, it was definitely different than I remembered. Um, like I said, it's been a while since I saw them, but it's a really simple premise. Like you know, it's got all these sci-fi uh, twists and stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's pretty simple. Just run away from bad guy, try to protect this person, kind of movie, which is good because I think it's uh, works really well because there's not a, there's not a lot that you need to know or like keep track of. It's pretty basic, but it's got a lot of uh, momentum. It doesn't really seem to stop because you're always wondering like when when is Terminator going to show up and you're there's this constant sense of dread that I think works really well for this kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's another thing. 
it's very unique also because while the rest of the Terminator movies were more action-packed, this one feels like a genuine horror film, a slasher-type film about some killer who's targeting after one person and looks at their name on a phone book. It really feels like a sci-fi horror flick instead of the action yeah. stuff we've seen. Yeah, it's just kind of got like a slasher feel almost with him going to like house to house kind of thing and uh, taking care of people. Definitely, yeah. And fun fact, the whole concept of the Terminator, or the T-800, was actually based on a nightmare James Cameron, the director, had when he was still in film school. He had a dream in which there was a fire, and coming out of the fire was a large metal man with piercing red eyes. Yeah, that, that makes sense, because you can definitely feel the uh, horror and this kind of nightmare scenario that uh, is built upon, for sure. It's got a lot of... Uh lot of this uh, sense of dread like i said just by arnie's uh just his act, like his acting in general when he's um chasing them down it's uh he's definitely very like michael myers-esque yeah exactly yeah of that and also it's aside from being just a film about a mindless cyborg assassin chasing group of people it also plays on a very realistic fear which is the fear of ai yeah, for sure, and I think it uh, definitely does that really well. Like it's, like I said, it doesn't go like too deep into these concepts of like self self awareness or anything, but it definitely has these uh, cool twists about cybernetics and and the future and what uh, could potentially happen if we get so far as to develop these kind of really uh, super detailed uh, cyborgs that have this potential to do this kind of great damage. Like, what, what what would our world look like there? Like, what would warfare look like? Exactly. So I think yeah. it's definitely interesting. Yeah, kind of like with what they did with Skynet, you know, how it was originally meant to protect humans, but it went sentient and decided all humans were a threat. It It's very, like, there have been plenty of movies that tackled the evil AI, but I think that with Skynet, it's more plausible to happen. Yeah, I, I've always liked the concept, even if it is a bit played out, of uh, robots kind of coming to... Uh, consciousness and seeing like hey humans kind of suck let's just uh, wipe them out i think that's uh, always a cool concept to see and i think it does it really well here definitely yeah and and that's the thing the difference between both the skynet and the terminators because the terminators they're not really evil they're just programmed like that they're just basically doing what their creator tells them to do. They have no way of understanding what's right or what's wrong. But Skynet, Skynet it is evil. Like, it's self-aware. It knows what it's doing. That's what makes it much worse than its army of machines. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's why um, I kind of like Judgment Day better is because it kind of explores that these Terminators aren't really to be blamed for what they're doing. And like you, and like you know that uh, they do these horrible things, but you also... Uh, get to know uh, obviously Arnie's character in this one mm. in uh, Judgment Day where he's more uh, sympathetic and he's got actually a lot of like comedy and I think you get to see that you know I think uh, Cameron plays a lot with the fact that you know AI doesn't have to be bad that you know there is this outlook that could be good so I think that's cool that he kind of has uh, both one where it's like this doomsday and then two it's kind of a bit more hopeful I want to say exactly yeah yeah that, that actually goes along well with one of the film's quote which if I remember correctly if a machine a Terminator can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. Yeah, I thought that was a great line to kind of end on as well. I think it uh, says a lot, and I think, like I said, I think these two films 
they almost can be played like back to back, like kind of like a yeah. one movie kind of thing. Obviously, there's a huge gap in time, but they tell a pretty cohesive story, I think. And I think two wraps it up all really well. Absolutely, yeah. And what I admire about the Terminator films, as well as that they create characters that you can, that you really care about. They're not just there, they actually have a distinctive personality and that you actually root for and care about what happens to them. Like Sarah Connor, for example. Yeah, she's definitely one of the uh, best characters out of that era. I think she kind of embodies a lot of things that a lot of protagonists should have. She has uh, a lot of depth. She's really strong, but she also is heavily flawed. She's not perfect. She kind of just abandoned her kid to this life that is not really something that any kid should experience, but she knows that he kind of has to. So she kind of just does what needs to be done. I think it's always cool to see a character who is just really focused on one uh, on, on one topic and kind of can't be bent on it just kind of is willing to do anything to get there i think she does that really well and uh has a lot to where that is really well explored by james cameron absolutely yeah and we should all give credit to james cameron too because he knows how to make really interesting and strong female characters as well like sarah connor and also ellen ripley from aliens Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's always been really good at uh, characters in general, I think. Some that he doesn't get a lot of praise for just because everyone always thinks, you know, uh, is bent up with his, like, effects and stuff, which are which are great for sure. But I think he uh, definitely should get a lot of credit for characters as well because he's kind of makes them really unique. Like, they're, um, they don't feel like anything else that I've seen, kind of. And, uh, yeah, he's just really good at making them relatable, but also uh, fitting into this sci-fi-esque world, I think. Definitely, yeah. Like, Sarah Connor, she has probably one of the best character arcs in anything, really, not just film, because she went from being this scared this scared and defenseless young woman to basically a, a, a strong, fearless leader who is with a take-no-prisoners-type personality. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's another reason why the movies work really well in tandem is because you start off with the first one where... That's definitely kind of um, a flaw that I put on the movie side. She doesn't really do much in the movie. She's kind of just there to run away. But it kind of makes sense, obviously, given that she's kind of thrown into this situation. So that's why I think uh, two works better, just because she is actually there to do quite a lot. But it, it makes sense for her arc. Like you said, it's a great arc. But uh, I just like two because she definitely gets to do more and act more uh, more strong and do all these uh, cool feats that you don't really get to see her do in the first one. Oh yeah, she's a total badass. And you'll and by the way, something I'm gonna say: when I was little, I had a I had a huge crush on Sarah Connor. She's like a great role model, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely some of that in there. Like, uh, it's weird because like she like I said, she does a lot of terrible things, but she is. I think there's a lot to admire about her. Just like I said, the way that she has this focus on this one goal, and uh, even though she knows that there's gonna be great cost to herself for doing these things she still goes about it to save this world because it'd be easy for her just to turn aside and be like oh well these events aren't, aren't going to happen for this many years i can sit back and do nothing or whatever but she's constantly working to overcome this goal even though it might hurt her and her family and i think that's a really interesting part of her character definitely yeah kudos to that too and we keep mentioning sarah connor because yes the franchise is called terminator but Deep down, Sarah, personally, to me, she is the main character, the, the protagonist of this franchise, because she's the, the heart and soul of this whole series, I'd say. 
Yeah, I would say like the Connor family in general, like it's kind of like a family theme almost in, in the way with the Kyle Reese in, in the first one, and then John in, in the second one with the uh, with his uh, relationship with his mom. That's kind of frayed at first, but then they obviously uh, come to get. Uh, get get to know one another and they kind of become closer and I think there's a really good family dynamic in there uh, beneath all the action and cool effects and everything that's uh, really worthwhile definitely yeah and and Michael Bien the actor who plays Kyle Reese like I feel people tend to overlook his character and performance but he really pulled it off playing a soldier who's just been through hell and back I think he really delivered perfectly Yeah, I think so too. Uh, he's definitely more of a trope character, obviously, with him just being like this kind of badass, rugged type guy. But uh, I think he fits that really well. And like you said, Cam Cameron knows how to write these characters so so that they do feel different, at least, even even if he is kind of a trope. You know, he he is also someone who kind of goes through all these things to save the world and uh, help everyone else, even though he knows that it's probably not going to end very well with it for yeah. him. Oh yeah, for sure, and. About John Connor, like some people say that uh, John Connor is like the main character, but personally to me, not saying that this is a bad thing, of course, but John Connor to me didn't feel more like a character, but more like a, an idea, a force of nature, like the chosen one type character, like some kind of messiah. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of that, uh, especially in the first one where he's more just like a title that, you, that you're given of this like kind of pinnacle of, uh, of, of, of a soldier that is like just gonna completely solve all these problems he's kind of like this nameless force like you said which I think is pretty cool then obviously in, in the second one, second one you get to see a, a lot of his actual personality and I like that he's kind of he's this kid who just kind of doesn't know what to believe because he's been told all these things and he's not really sure if he even wants to be this great leader or whatever and he's kind of jagged and uh messed up because of that and because of all that he went through because of his mom trying to prepare him for what he has to do exactly yeah and the worst and it also must be tragic being a kid he's like 10 years old and being forced to shoulder so much responsibility as the future leader of mankind and the resistance yeah for sure i, I never really looked into it but i'm not sure how old he's actually supposed to be in the second one i feel like he has to be at least like 14 or something right like he's kind of at that phase where he's kind of in rebellion so i feel like he's got to be at least like 14 or something oh yeah i would got, think I, that that would be my guess yeah, <laughs> i think it's kind of hard to place honestly yeah you have he's to still kind of got this this kind of higher pitched voice so i feel like he's definitely somewhere in like that 14 16 range but oh yeah yeah i think be. and i think uh he's played really well because even though he's kind of annoying like you kind of mm. not that you hate him but you're kind of like if i was around this kid i might kind of hate him a little bit but he's but he had, he grows quite a lot throughout the film and you understand where he's coming from a lot of why he is the way he is definitely yeah and yeah i think he'd be about the age you'd have to be to be a, a juvenile delinquent for sure yeah i think that makes sense because he's done all these feats that you see uh That, that got him in trouble with, with the police so that would make sense if he was somewhere around that age exactly, yeah and of course like 15 minutes in and we still haven't talked about the big man himself Arnold Schwarzenegger like he in every movie no matter how good or bad one thing is clear that Arnold really delivers he really shines throughout every single film he's in totally and I think a lot of people um, kind of pin him to this certain stereotype of just being this 
big guy who's good at throwing people around and being badass. But in this one, he definitely does that. But he also shows quite like a lot of skill because he's he doesn't really talk but he just the way he moves his eyes his face is very robotic like i can't imagine trying to do all these things it's pretty impressive when you think about all that he would have had to go through to do this like just all these small little uh, like moves that your face does that you can't really stop and he completely just does it somehow and just makes himself seem just like this monster almost yeah yeah definitely like and And he really does a great job of showing so much character despite his, you know, stiff and emotionless facade, given that, you know, he's a robot. Yeah, like he's um, he's definitely got a lot of character to him, even though he's not much of a character more than he is uh, just this force in the first mo- in, in the first movie, at least. But yeah, he's like just this being that you kind of fear, even if like you don't uh, see him doing all these features staring at him, you think like, There's something wrong with this guy. Like he doesn't seem human, even though he looks human. He's he's got this really weird cold feeling, which mm-hmm. I think works really, really well, obviously, because he is a robot. Oh yeah, it adds also a bit of the uncanny valley to his face, to his whole you know character as well. Yeah, for sure. Just like in in the way he moves and stuff, it just doesn't feel human, and uh, it works really well because one of my favorite scenes is um, when he goes back after he escapes the uh, uh, his flipped uh, car, and he's. And he's repairing his hand, and he's like mm, yes. t- tearing up the skin and stuff, and, and yeah. it looks brutal. He's just sitting there staring at it. It's just really, it's just really cool. And then he plucks out his eye as well. I love that. That oh, yeah. uh, scene is super, so like super gross, but done really well. It still looks great. <laughs> Definitely, to yeah. This day, like. Exactly, yeah. The effects are so, just so fantastic, even today. No, like really, for those who don't know, I am not a big fan of CGI. I love practical effects, and I think the Terminator films, the first two ones anyway, really captured that realism in their effects. Yeah, I think uh, if you can do stuff practical, I think you should always strive to do that. Obviously, there's some things you can't, but in this one, I would say the only thing that uh, doesn't really look too... Like, it still uh, looks fine, but definitely the one thing that I thought was noticeable was at the end when he is stripped of his skin and he becomes a robot and he's moving and you see this higher frame rate kind of mm. lagging kind of feel. That's the, yeah. that's definitely the one thing that I would have noticed, but it doesn't take you out of the movie yeah. or anything. It's definitely just oh, yeah. a thing that you notice. You're like, ah, yeah, this, this is a movie that was made back in the day. That's right, yeah. And yeah, I think it. I actually appreciated the, end, the endoskeleton bit because it... It added a bit of uncanny valley to it. It made the scene more creepier as well. Yeah, I think you definitely needed a moment where you saw him for what he truly is. So I think it's a good moment, even though you lose Arnie. So that kind of sucks. <laughs> But of course, it still works well because it's just this same uh, being. Like, it still has the same movements as him. And I think they did a really good job of keeping that uh, in line with what he was doing throughout the movie. Definitely, yeah. My, like, seriously, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he is not just in the Terminator films, but he is a badass in every film he's in. Not as also a predator and total recall. Like, he is a beast, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, like I said, he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, like, I don't, I don't think he's any sort of great superstar uh, caliber Uh, guy who can pull off all these roles, but I think he's good at what he does, and he brings a lot of depth that a lot of people don't really notice. So I think you should get a lot of props for that. 
for sure. That's true, yeah. And The Terminator has got to be, I think, the first and only film where he is the villain because now whenever he shows up in a Terminator film, he's assumed as the good guy from that point forward. Yeah, it's kind of weird to think about because he plays this villain really well. kind of odd. I can't really think of another film that where he has been a villain, like you said. Uh, so I think it is cool to see, and I think he pulls it off really well. True, yeah. Well, if one can count Mr. Freeze from Batman and Robin, that... that oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, that was, that was definitely a villain. A yes. Villain to the comics, at least. Yeah, but not in the best kind. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, the sequel, like, Terminator 2. That Terminator 2 is regarded as one of the best sequels of all time. It's up there with Aliens, Empire Strikes Back, and uh, The Godfather Part 2. Your thoughts, Mason? Definitely. It's definitely on probably my top five or top ten movies ever. I think it just does pretty much everything that the first one does really well, but I think it's got a better balance to it. Because the first one, it's, it's, it's actually quite dark. Like you said, it's got this horror movie feel. So there's not a lot of room for emotions like hope. And uh, so you kind of just have to accept it for what it is. And it works really well in that regard. But I think the second movie fleshes things out really well and you get a wide range of concepts. It still feels, like you said, like a horror movie in in aspects with with, with this new Terminator and all that he does and all these gross things that he does as he's like Mm -hmm. blending into the floor and coming up and all these really uh, horror-esque moves but it's also got a lot of comedy actually between John and Marty and it's really well done like it doesn't uh, ruin the uh, feel of the movie or the tone or anything it feels completely real to what would happen if this was actually a story in place in our real world definitely yeah and love also the, and it's really fast paced too like even, every single moment in this film is iconic and even when there's no action and it's just a bunch of characters talking it is still so well done yeah it, it, it doesn't run into the problem that a lot of movies do, uh, do where you have these slower moments where they have to kind of cool down after, after beat and uh, kind of have this moment where you spell out what's coming next or anything all, all mm-hmm. of it feels real even when um Near, near the end when they're just talking with uh, Miles Dyson there about why but why they try about why Sarah tried to kill him and what uh, and, and what's going to happen if he if he completes his project and although it's not a moment where you're where, where it's super intense or, or, or anything you're, you're getting a lot through it because of you, you're seeing these conflicts of, of this person who wasn't trying to do these bad things but he's realized that what he's that, that basically his life's work is going to cause all this death and pain and it's kind of a brilliant moment oh yeah that definitely yeah and i love that also that part of the film which is sarah's arc like it's basically her coming losing touch with her own humanity it's i love how they went the role reversal that as the terminator is starting learns to become more human sarah loses that bit of her humanity and is struggling to keep it true yeah she uh completely just tries to assassinate this dude <laughs> so it definitely uh feels like she turns it into the bad guy for a moment but again because uh, her character is so well uh told by james cameron you, you know why she's doing it and even though you don't agree that, the, that there probably could be a better way to go about it you see why she thinks she has to do which why she thinks that she has to do this and it just makes sense for her character and uh, everything she does like you said is just really well explained definitely I mean, 
even even if you don't agree with it, you can see why. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, man. Too. Yeah, and also I really I love how the the fur how it all it's all set up. Like the first ha- half or the fir- the first third, it spends most of the time second guessing who is the good guy and who is the bad guy between the T eight hundred and the T one thousand. Yeah, I, I think it was nice that it kind of paralleled the first movie, obviously with the uh, lightning appearing and then them going and beating guys up and stealing their clothes. <laughs> I, I, I always think that's fun. I think, was, uh, I, I think the bar scene with Arnie is super just iconic. Oh yeah, I love I, that. Like, I think that's that was one of the one of the scenes that was definitely that I just could remember greatly from watching it as a kid just that guy when he's thrown back through the kitchen and he lands on the stove or whatever in his hands yeah. like, and he's I, like, I just remember that part really well for sure and he says i need and your clothes your boots and your motorcycle yeah the soul <laughs> yeah. and it gets better when you realize when he beats up those guys he doesn't kill anyone and even better this was before he was told he couldn't kill anyone Yeah, exactly. It's great how that guy comes out with a shotgun and tells him that he's not going to let him take the bike. And then he just walks up, grabs the gun, and takes his glasses. <laughs> But like I said, it's actually a pretty funny movie, which is mm. definitely surprising given how dark a lot of its uh, themes and concepts are. Exactly, yeah. I love it. And that's, it works. The humor in both these films really works, especially the second one. It doesn't feel forced or shoehorned in, unlike the Hollywood's blockbusters today. Just yeah, so... I think there's definitely been a bit lost on how to write uh, comedy in, into movies, which I can get the point of, because I'm not sure about you, but I've always found writing comedy very hard. Oh, same so, here. Yeah. So, so I can see how uh, trying to throw comedy into these movies is is definitely a hard task, especially because when you're in these really weird plots where you have all this supernatural stuff or sci-fi stuff, it's kind of hard to say how these people would, would act. And like you, you might think they would laugh here, or or they shouldn't. But you know, it's kind of hard to say because it's just this completely out of this world plot that you can't really bring into like your own uh, life and say like, oh, this is how I would react. Because it's kind of hard to say because you've never been in something that is just that out there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Yeah, like, but like, yeah, Hollywood really is out of touch with their audience today. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some sometimes comedy is just too much, or it's too meta. Like you feel like the screenwriter is just talking right to you. <laughs> it feels a bit too much. So right. I think there's definitely been a bit of a lost art art on that. But uh, yeah, right. it's definitely a tricky thing to do. So I totally get why movies kind of struggle with it but it is definitely unfortunate that's right yeah agreed and about t2 let's talk about the big bad of the film like the t1000 has got to be one of cinema's best and most badass villains ever oh yeah no doubt i mean robert patrick is uh just completely great as it and it's like i said arnie feels not quite human in, in the first one like he feels like he doesn't belong in, in this world but robert patrick totally is like another level because he's not like this big guy who you like think stands out he's this normal kind of looking guy but he's just got like this like ghost-like face and he's really kind of like slim and like he could be, he like totally could blend in but something about him especially in in like i said his eyes and stuff 
Oh yeah. Uh, it's it's something that's done really well. Like it's not a performance that you like point out and think, oh, like he's doing all these big things and he's showing all this great depth, but he shows it a lot just through not really showing at all. Yeah. <laughs> just with his eyes. Agreed. Yeah, like you know how unlike the Arnie's Terminator, which was very stiff in how he talked, this Terminator of the T-1000 acts all friendly and polite. But even in those moments when it's acting all friendly, you can tell something is off about it. Totally. He's got like this apex predator feel. Like he feels like he's this beast who can take on no matter what. Like even if there's someone bigger than him, it, it feels like he is always there and he knows what's going to happen. And he has the upper hand and it just doesn't matter what's going to happen if, if these people haven't outnumbered or anything it just feels like it doesn't matter he can take care of them all exactly yeah and this thing it's also paranoia fuel incarnate because it can it can take the form of everyone it touches and you don't know if it's the real thing and it can even blend into walls and floors which means that that chair that we're sitting on could very well be him yeah Yeah, I think that was definitely one part that stood out to me as a kid. It's kind of scary, for sure. Like, you start to think, like, oh, is this person <laughs> this Terminator? It kind of makes you think. It's, it's definitely a cool concept that, well, it's not totally new. It's something that's really well explored here, and it's definitely the best of its kind, I think, in, in that regard. Oh, yeah. This has got to be the deadliest Terminator in both films, I'd say. Like, very advanced as well. Yeah, and I, I, I like how they didn't try to... Um, kind of go bigger and better like they they could have tried to get like a guy as big as arnie or something and mm -hmm. try to make it like oh the, 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 this one is like has all this more armor or something but instead exactly. they kind of got like the slim guy oh yeah and this, that's right and like and i think it's really well done because he doesn't seem like he would be better than arnie's prototype but he like is in all in basically all facets of it like even if he doesn't have uh, the the look of it that just makes him even more deadly because he's the one that you wanted to think think to be this kind of deadly oh, no. monster no and he and this and it's also really smart because it see it looks normal it's basically a cop chasing after a kid like no one would ever suspect that it's wow wow mm -hmm. yeah i think that was definitely a good choice that they had him uh, take over the body of a cop at the start there and take his clothes rather i think that was definitely smart and i love that uh first fight in the uh, hallway when they meet uh, Ooh, and Arnie's yeah. got the uh, rose and he throws it back with a shotgun right. a really great moment yeah guns and roses yeah yeah like, very meta yeah and and I bet many people were just cheering when they found out Arnie was the good guy when he pointed the shotgun and said get down just yeah for sure that de de definitely like a moment where uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of gasps oh, in yeah. the theater and stuff and I kind of miss not knowing things like that in in a film when you go into it personally exactly yeah and it was still great even though the trailer for this film basically spoiled who was the good guy and who was the bad guy mm -hmm. we still yeah, haven't learned today. The yeah i think it, i think even more so nowadays with trailers and stuff they're just really hard to avoid so whereas back then it was kind of harder to see a trailer but now it's like you you like go on twitter and you see it everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah, and I gotta say also the T1000, it is one damn fast runner too, like the way it runs, it's just yeah. something unnatural. I was always wondering, I would love to see how they shot that, I'm sure there's some footage of it or something of like, how he managed to not just be like puffing, <laughs> like, 
he's completely just healing these guys and he's just not talking at all his mouth is just closed and he just doesn't even look like like he's not red faced at all <laughs> like i said it's just super impressive yeah in fact they had to do so many takes because believe it or not robert patrick he actually was able to catch up to john connor when he was in his bike so they had to slow down a bit just, oh i didn't know that that's great yeah because he's like yeah he's actually <laughs> super fast and i was like damn he's really going after him <laughs> he already... and i like that i like that he just is completely cool and calm he's just running right after these people and he's just like almost <laughs> matching speed it's great and ja- and robert patrick he also uh, he trained for months with an actual olympic athlete for track and field Oh yeah, that definitely makes more sense because he's definitely got that feel like this guy who's just like completely normal with this kind of running. <laughs> like he's not even breaking a sweat, not red face like I said. It, his nose isn't freaking flaring or anything. That's right. Yeah, and uh, also there's another fun thing about the T1000s. There's actually one of them because. The reason why there aren't much T-1000s is because whenever they send a Terminator, Skynet, it reprogram it re- reprograms them. It doesn't want its Terminators to learn too much. So it just made one T-1000 because the T-1000 can learn very quickly. And if it learns very quickly, it can easily turn against its master. That's why Skynet just sent one instead of many. Mm, and that's a cool concept as well. Mm. Just like the fact that this robot or this AI in Skynet is basically going against its own kind at this point because it knows that it can't give them too much freedom or, or they may very well go rogue. I think that's a definitely cool concept. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, definitely. And what I appreciate, too, is that this is one of the few cases where I think tell, don't show works because we we never see Skynet. It doesn't have a face, but just hearing about the things it did is enough to scare us. Yeah, and I think, you, you know, it would be pretty simple just to show this, like, robot voice and just kind of go into that uh, way. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, it would just be, I think it would definitely lose something. Uh, it's definitely something that you just want to hear about. And when you see it, it wouldn't seem that evil because it's just like this force inside of a computer or something <laughs> and it's like okay is that it so i think it's better just to hear from what it does and all and basically all the power that it wields from sending back and controlling these uh, dangerous terminators agreed yeah yeah i'd say so too and yeah like i mentioned it's kind of placed on a very realistic fear of ai because think about the time it came out in the night between 1984 and 1991 it was still the cold war and people were afraid of getting nuked by the soviets so i love how the film really plays into that fear it definitely fits the era really well but at the same time it doesn't feel dated which i think is definitely a good sign there's definitely a lot of movies where you watch them during the during the time period that they were set in or whatever and you think oh yeah this makes sense then you watch it later and it's uh, age like 10 or 20 years and you're like oh yeah this is definitely a product of its time and it doesn't age but this movie I don't really think it shows its wear at all I think it's uh, still works really well in in uh, in the world of today and I don't think it'll ever really uh, age badly because James Cameron just kind of knew like he had his finger on the pulse and he just knew exactly like these kind of fears that people would have and there's still fears that we have today right, and you I don't are. see that going away agreed yeah 
yeah, I love that you brought that up. It's it can still happen today, yeah, as well. Like this film is really it was way ahead of its time. It's still relevant, and plus the effects they still look great even more than thirty years later with you know the the T one thousand CGI liquid metal. Love that as well. Yeah, it still looks great. Like even when he takes the uh, full like uh, form of like this like bluish look, and it's kind of like something that could look pretty bad and i think a lot of movies nowadays would look worse (laughs) oh yeah it looks great yeah the irony yeah and what i further appreciate about t2 is that aside from just being a an awesome action explosive action film it's also a film full of heart it asks the question what does it mean to be human which it shows with the terminator and sarah connor as well just love this the theme in that film both films actually mm-hmm. yeah it's surprisingly deep uh definitely in in regard to how it treats like i said like this family dynamic how uh, john starts to see this terminator as a sort of father and I think that's definitely a cool parallel because obviously Sarah Connor has all these uh, concepts on what this Terminator is and because she she's seen it, what it's done to like her friends in the first movie and stuff. So she's like not willing to accept it at first, but then she slowly sees that, you know, that it doesn't have to be that way. And that there's actually quite a lot of good in that could be there if, if it's uh, kind of given a shot. Exactly. Yeah. Love that addition too. And something else I want to talk about that film. One scene that really, really messed me up as a kid was Sarah's dream. You know, when she's in the playground and sees Judgment Day happen and everyone gets nuked. God, that was Mm -hmm. so traumatizing. Yeah, that's definitely a moment that would sit with you for a while. And uh, I I like that it shows it a few times. And for the first few, I think, um, it just kind of shows the bright light and you don't really see these people kind of getting melted but then with like the last uh, one that it shows it shows them completely like melting away and stuff and it's pretty brutal (laughs) understatement yeah Uh, and i just love that they went that far because uh it definitely makes it feel more uh it's more effective that way like you know that that she's seen these things and it feels like yeah if i saw that too it would mess me up and lead me to believe that I needed to do all these things to prevent it as well. (laughs) I know, right? And fun fact about that scene too, um, during the premiere of T2, James Cameron, he got fan mail from nuclear physicists and they congratulated him over this scene because it was a very realistic and accurate portrayal of a nuclear explosion. Yeah, that's that's definitely great. And I think that just tells... I think it says a lot about James Cameron and how far he went. Like he could have just made made this look not real. He could have just made it look like they just turned into dust or something simply. But he went as far to go through like these stages where they start to catch on fire and then they just kind of get blown away. It's like there's a lot to it. Like that. Like there's definitely a lot that he probably looked into to do this. That's so right. I think that just shows how 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 much he loved what he was doing and and uh, how much heart went went into it. Which I think is a problem with the later sequels it just doesn't feel like there's that care oh no not at all it's just money 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 oh and money mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the whole the thing about the nuclear detonation scene that image is much scarier than anything in a horror film i think the the scariest things uh are that things are scarier if they were in non-horror films because in a non-horror film you don't expect it to happen you don't expect to be frightened but horror films it's you expect it right off the bat 
And I think that's what makes it more effective. Definitely. It definitely felt that way. And I thought um, another moment that was that, that definitely scared me as a kid and definitely is still really great today is um, when uh, when John is first calling his foster parents when they're still alive and he's talking to his mom. Mm. And you feel like something's off. <laughs> and, then, right. and then his dad says something and she just throws out her hand. But, but, but the frame doesn't cut to show it. Ooh, so yeah. you're left there wondering, like, what did she just do? And then, and then as uh, John and Arnie learn that it that, that it's the uh, Terminator, that, then you pan out and you see this blade sticking out of the dad's uh, mouth and the, yeah. and the milk carton, and it's great. Like, that was, that was such a great way to do that. Like, it, <laughs> like they could have just cut to hit her stabbing him right at the start there and not waited but they waited and i think it works really well because of that oh yeah for sure i i agree on that one too and it also adds a it's there's also a bit of black comedy too because apparently the t1000 doesn't like when people drink straight from the carton <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it definitely works well that way and then that, i like that he's smart enough that he goes out and he catches the fact that uh that uh, that uh john and arnie figured out that that it was him because the dog's name Right. Call him Wolfie or whatever. His name's Max. <laughs> I, think that, I think it's great that it shows that this isn't like this mindless being. Like it has a brain. It's super Ooh. smart. It knows what it's doing. Oh yeah, definitely. And love that scene too. How they were able to call off the T1000's bluff, where you say, "What's the dog's name?" That scene also is a popular meme as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just done really well. It's uh, like I said again. It shows that that's really smart it's a really smartly written movie it never feels like it's uh taken like a shortcut or, or, or anything that's right yeah in fact we should try that sometime like hello do, do you like all the star wars movies even the disney ones yes i like all of them your foster parents are dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently not i'm not sure that'd be a good yeah. a great test for some people and be, be like oh yeah i know right yeah and Another and that and yes, you're right about the T1000 having a mind how how it's it can think like you know that scene where it kills the the cop by impersonating as him and then sticking the blade right through his eye. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, that was it was that like was another great scene that, that that definitely stuck with me. Oh yeah, like and the thing is, the T1000 it could have it could have killed the cop right away, but instead it chose for the cop to just turn around and see him before it killed him that's just it shows he just likes to play with his food it's chilling really yeah when, when the guy turns around and, and he sees this copy of himself and he just kind of like doesn't know what to do like, like he doesn't scream out or something which i think is great because like the uh, terminator knows that he's not going to call out he knows that this person is just going to be like scared out of their mind and he just likes that <laughs> god <laughs> I think it's great i know right and and for that scene that was that was not done in any CGI. The cop actually had a twin brother. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that in the uh, credits there, and I was like, wow. Like, that's, that's the that's only just going above and beyond again. Like, they could have just had uh, had someone or done some uh, C CGI tricks or done some makeup or something, but they didn't. They actually found a guy <laughs> who had this twin. I think that's, uh, that's pretty great. Stuff that shows just how much they cared again. Impressive, yeah, loved it. Just this this movie is just every scene. It's perfect. It every scene has an importance to the plot, and every character, no matter how small or big, like Miles Dyson, they have a part to play in this big story. I just love the attention to detail in these films. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the times when a movie has this kind of subplot, because like the Miles Dyson plot doesn't really come in until quite a bit later. So it would have been uh, pretty bad if it uh, kind of just didn't do anything with him before. But you saw these little bits and pieces of what he was doing, and he saw that his company had the uh, Terminator hand and stuff, and that was a good callback because at the start when he was in the... Uh, in the hospital there and they say that, that that there was nothing found at the factory and you're like that's weird because like how would that not happen but then you learn later and it's like oh yeah that makes sense totally of course someone would try to profit off this like stuff that they've never seen before this super strong metal and this microchip that's beyond anything that they've seen before this processor like it just like it just all lines up to make a really cohesive story Agreed. Yeah, and that's another th another thing I appreciate about the the Terminator films. Like, while the Terminators are the antagonists, the monsters of these films, it also addresses the fact that humans are the real monsters. But when Arnie said it is in our nature to destroy ourselves, because humans created something that actually turned out to destroy all of them. Love that theme as well. Mm -hmm. It's just another reason that I don't think this movie's gonna, you know, fade from uh, mm. from popular media or anything because it's just got a lot of relevant ideas that, like I said, concern humanity and what, what we're capable of. Because at the end of the day, we're the ones who created this being who takes over the world and launches all these nukes and sends back the Terminators and all this. We're the ones who are capable of, and we're the ones who went through with it, even though we probably knew that. There probably shouldn't be something with this much power. <laughs> kind of know how that works. You know, power corrupts. Corrupts, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, what you just said. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> like, so well done, too. And, <clears throat> oh, God, also I love the fact how it really, love all those scenes in the... In the, in the future as well, like the first in the film's opening, of T2's opening, we saw John Connor as an adult and in just... With just brief, in just a few seconds, we already like the character. We already it really sets us up for what to come next. Yeah, I think the scenes in the future are really well done because they could have just like put a lot of those in because you know people love the big pew pew shoots and the future and stuff. But they but they didn't do a lot of that. They keep it pretty uh, a pretty small amount of time is given to it, but it works really well because it it's enough to see this future and you see how terrible terrible it is but you don't uh, really get to stay there too long because that's not the main uh, part of the story so i think they do a really good job of not just relying too much on that future and instead kind of just giving all that you need to know about that in some context and that's it exactly yeah you, you can say that again like it's just a few minutes and we already know it's like unlike today's films they keep over explaining too much it's as if they don't un they don't think we are capable of understanding it it's just it's insulting really i think yeah it's definitely gotten to the point where i think uh screenwriters and uh, i i don't want to say screenwriters I, i feel like it's mostly studios mm. i feel like studios are usually the ones who who like make notes for screeners that say like hey i don't think people are going to know about this you need to throw in this this scene where these two characters talk about it just face to face and like oh is this what's happening this is what's happening <laughs> and it's like i don't think audience needs that so much so i don't think there's anything wrong with it if you can blend it in naturally i think uh you kind of need to have these big uh dumps of uh just things that are going to happen and what and what the characters think and what they feel and stuff it's needed but there's a 
there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it for sure exactly yeah like uh, just big studios sometimes gonna ruin everything because like James Cameron when he made the first two Terminator movies he was young and he was independent he didn't need to be attached to some big studio to make these movies come true so I think that's what today's audiences need we need more independent filmmakers to realize their vision it's all about the passion not the monetary gain yeah and i feel like that's slowly becoming true like i think you're seeing a lot of blockbusters are given to these uh people who kind of don't have this uh normal background of these huge films or or something like that like there's the, the, these people who come up from these small personal films that they don't really have much to do with these big films that that they'll go on, that they'll, uh, that they're being tapped to make, but they have this heart and it shows that they know how to craft a story. And when you give uh, these people a lot of money and you give them the freedom, then I think that's really all you need. I don't think you really need them to have all this background in all, all big films like this. I think bring people up who are just creative, who just know how to make a story. And I think that can turn out fantastically. Wise words could not be said more, Mason. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like kind of like Disney with Star Wars. Or I will never forgive them for what they did. Never. <laughs> All right, calm down, calm down, calm down. Star Wars is for another deep breath, time. Deep breath. I'm good now. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And about T two, let's talk about that ending, the, the whole climax, because I feel most action films today, they tend, even if they're good, some, some of them tend to like lose a bit of tension whenever they reach the third act, but I feel Terminator 2 is one of the few exceptions. Mm -hmm. I think, um, like I said, a, a lot of big, big movies, they lose sight of the characters in these big, uh, these, these big climaxes with all mm -hmm. the CG and stuff. I think it's, I think it's a problem that that somewhat can't be helped with uh, today's market of these big uh, fight scenes that people want. But I think it's really well when you, I, I, I don't think you need to sacrifice these big uh, throwdowns. I think you just need to remember like characters and uh, just have these moments between characters where you see everything that you've learned about them before kind of come into effect in the third act. I think it's just a matter of showing enough character within all these cool beats of it up throw down and punches and pew pews <laughs> so i think that's just what they need to do and i think uh terminators that really well because it's a really uh heartfelt like bit at the end there when uh, arnie is almost dying then he rips his arm off and then he goes and then he sacrifices himself like there's a lot of emotion to it that oh, yeah. it kind of like i think when i first watched it, i didn't uh, really think that would happen because you don't really think that you care so much about this character until the until that moment when you see that he's about to die and you're like oh, yeah. oh man like i've kind of come to care about this character yeah and it's like <laughs> you didn't really think that would happen but uh it's really subtle it's really a great build-up oh yeah definitely just i love it so like like you said you're right mason like too much there's so much heart in this film you actually care about the, the characters they're not just these you know, figures that we just want, like, they're not just character goes here, character goes there. It's a journey, and we see these characters grow and develop in their journey. Even the Terminator is wow. It's just. Definitely. Wild. I think it's definitely a movie that I look to for um, how to write a story. When I'm trying to script a story or something, I try to, I think it's definitely something that it does it perfectly. Like, it has a formula, like, it's got the, uh, the uh, basic plot structure, but it has enough in there that it 
knows how to um, make every part just really great. Like it does, it doesn't have any slow moments, but at the same time, it doesn't. It's not just constant beat 'em ups and all this stuff. It has these smaller moments, but it doesn't take away from the movie because you care about these characters and you want to know more about them and you want to see them grow. And uh, I think that's what you need in even movies like this, where I think most people are there just for you know to see Terminators kill things and stuff. Yeah, I think uh, movies. I think movies can be more than that for sure. Definitely, yeah. And wait, you you want to be a screenwriter when you're done? That's nice, man. I uh, I write uh, mostly. I've been writing uh, short stories and novels since I was in like second grade. So that's more so where uh, I've done it, but definitely since joining broadcasting, I've done more uh, scripting kind of things. Nice, man. Nice. Can't wait to see what you've written to as well. Yeah. <laughs> And about the climax, like, wow, such a great climax, too. I love also how they show the attention to detail on how both the Terminators meet their end. Like, it shows the difference between heroes and villains. Like, when the T-1000 falls into the vat, he starts screaming and begging for his life. And when the Terminator, Arnie sacrifices himself he's all like he takes it like a man it shows the two differences that you know good is brave and fearless and evil is well just cowardly mm -hmm. that's definitely something that i was that i thought was cool scene i think it would be something i'd like to ask james cameron how that came about because it's uh kind of cool that you see this character like the uh like the uh T-1000 who doesn't really show any kind of emotion mm -hmm. in this movie and then when he dies he's just completely flipping out and, and I'd like to I'd definitely like to pick his brain about why he thought that was the best choice and I definitely think it is I would just like to know how that came about because like you said it, it's kind of weird considering what, what you see what Arnie goes through I'm not sure if it's just to show that he feels more the uh, T-1000 that he has more of a consciousness so he's more aware of this pain or like you said he's just kind of fighting to not die That, that he's just freaking out because he's burning. <laughs> right. I think that's definitely a cool beat that uh, has a lot of depth to it that uh, I would love, I'd love to know more about. That's right. Yeah, me too. Love that. And yeah, love also, like, that and en the ending. Oh, God. Like, we, like, boys cried when Jack died in Titanic, but men cried during the ending of T2. Yeah, apparently, because <laughs> I'm not sure what, what that makes me for crying at both. But uh, I would say, uh, yeah, that, that this one definitely has a feel to it as well, where it's, it, like I said, you, you don't really expect to feel that kind of gut punch because, you, you, you know, it's not human. And I think um, a lot of movies before this didn't really explore uh, robots as being, you know, somewhat human. Like, that is possible for this being to have this kind of mind of its own and these kind of um, not emotions because he says he doesn't feel it but he kind of grows to in a way so I think a lot of movies didn't really go into how that could be possible I think this movie explores what a cyborg or a robot or an AI can be yeah exactly yeah really and really, the movie really touched well on that it showed it showed how much Arnie's Terminator has come through since the start of the film, from being just this mindless assassin to a a hero who who starts to learn the value of human life. Like, yeah, and I, I think a little great moment that shows how much he's learned is um, 
uh, somewhere near the beginning, Arnie uh, busts into a car or, or, or whatever, and he uh, jacks up the, the uh, st- steering wheel to get it to work and they uh, 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 to start it. But then John look grabs the keys from just up in the uh, like glasses thing, and, and, and he's like, come on, learn. And then he throws it to him, and then later in the movie, instead of just busting up the steering wheel, Arnie looks up into the uh, the mirror thing, and he finds the keys there, and he's like, and like he kind of smiles, he's like, yep. <laughs> I think that's great. It's a small little moment that calls back to uh, him learning about, uh, you know, just all these things that John's been trying to teach him, like uh, when he tries to learn to smile and stuff. And that's another great moment. Yeah, love that too. It's really well done. That's right. Yeah. And I love how the ending also really, it was a big payoff as well. Like after all the heroes have went through in the past two films, it's over. Like Skynet has been destroyed. Like, this is really the end of the... Because I Skynet, like, yes, the Terminators are the antagonists, but Skynet, I think, is, like, the the main, main villain. Like, it's the one pulling all the strings. Mm-hmm. And I think the ending... Did you watch the ending where you do see uh, the older Sarah Connor? Because that's from the extended edition. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. In the director's yeah. cut, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that's one that, that, that I watched. And I saw... I read somewhere that James Cameron doesn't actually prefer this version, which I think is interesting because I'm not sure what other scenes it added, but I know that it ended that to last bit where you see Sarah Connor and you see John Connor and, and she says that uh, Judgment Day has passed. And I think maybe maybe feels like it's too nice of a wrap-up because it does feel kind of like, and they lived happily ever after. But I think it makes sense for this movie just because, you know, I'm not really sure what else you could have done to make it satisfying. And I think it brings a lot to it because you see that, you know, that what they went through actually matters. They actually did save the day and that, you know, I think it would have been kind of worse if you just see like some, some like microchip bubbling up, bubbling up from the flames or something like that. (laughs) Like, oh, he still lives or something. I think that just wrapping it up in this way, it's a, it feels nice. It feels like a nice bit of relief after all this kind of horror that you've been seeing. Exactly. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm just a fan of it. Maybe, maybe I'm just I, I just like happy, happy en- endings. But uh, I don't know. It, it feels it feels right for the movie. I think in my eyes. Exactly. Yeah. I I I actually grew to love the alternate ending even even more. Yeah. And there was never another Terminator sequel ever again. Period. <laughs> forever <laughs> that's right yeah which is weird because I feel like there's still you know from like a story wise perspective I feel like there's still a lot of potential in the world like I would hate to give up the world itself you know they always talk about how the future isn't set so I feel like there's different stuff that you could explore but I don't know I just feel like they haven't done it right but I feel like there's definitely something still there to be done but at the same time I don't want them to ruin Terminator <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's kind of like a toss right yeah and yeah I, I love that theme too as well that there is no fate that future that we make but that what we make of ourselves it really it really says that the future is not really set in stone that we make our own decisions I just love that theme too so many good themes in both so many films. themes yeah like a, a lot of these sci-fi themes it kind of has them all you know you got the free will versus fate and I think uh, that's definitely something that you see a lot of and I think may, maybe that's why I, I like the ending so much is because it shows you know free will it shows that this future isn't set so I feel like there's some payoff there definitely right yeah love it and since we're nearing the one hour mark it's time what 
What is your favorite scene from each of the first two Terminator films? Let's start with the first one. In the first one, I think, like I said, I really took a personal moment, a personal uh, smaller moment. I really enjoyed when Arnie goes back and he fixes his eye and stuff, and you see him pluck out his eye, and he's just standing there, you know, staring at himself in front of the mirror. I think that's just a great small moment that it feels like something that they could have just like brushed past, but they thrown in there, and it's great. Uh, it's for, like a big action scene in the movie. I would say on like the police station attack there mm. is pretty much like the best thing ever. <laughs> it's done so well, and it's like 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 we're saying when you're talking about it, Arnie feels like this force that just can't be stopped. You know, Ooh, the yeah. unstoppable object. He's just going in, and he he just can't be uh, he can't be stopped. He can't be moved, and he's just mowing through these people, and that's where you really feel a sense of dread. Because before that, you kind of see him taking out people kind of piece by piece one one by one kind of thing but here he's he just going through everyone i think it shows his goal really well oh yeah love that for me uh from the first terminator film i'd have to go with the entire tech noir scene you know where sarah is at this nightclub waiting for the police and suddenly the terminator shows up to try to kill her but Kyle Reese shows up at the last second to save her and we get one of the most iconic lines in cinema come with me if you want to live <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny that a lot of people just give the credit to Arnie for that line at this point because he obviously uh, says it again in the second one but yeah it's kind of funny that Kyle Reese gets that line That's right. yeah and it really much like the police station scene it really shows that the Terminator is a force to be reckoned with because it's a it's it's in an area full of people where everyone's watching him and it doesn't wait it just goes straight for the kill like nowhere is safe with this thing when this thing is around just love it it's great and i also love the score how it changes up to this like techno beat almost it's got like yeah. this kind of futuristic synth uh, synth wave kind of feel actually really just a weird change up because you, you know you kind of know like the Terminator uh, soundtrack is like dun 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 <laughs> kind of that but here it goes into this techno bit and it works really well it's really intense and the score is a great a great reason why uh, why, why that uh, scene or scenes works uh, just work as well as they do oh like so well done yeah and how about yours for the second film for the second one I would say Again, for a smaller moment, I really liked um, when John's trying to teach uh, Arnie how to talk properly, and uh, and they go to that site and he's trying to smile. I think that's just a really like a really genuine comedy moment that would have been really bad, like could have been super cheesy or something. But Arnie, when he's trying to smile, like he just sells it really well. <laughs> and it's really great. Um, as for like a big uh, fight scene, I think the prison rescue scene. Is really great. Just that whole, sadly, I feel like there's a great sense. I think a lot of time movies don't know how to like establish where things are, but I feel like they lay out like the the feel of this uh, hospital really well, and, and 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 you know where people are going, and you know where people meet up, and it all makes oh, sense. It doesn't feel it. like people are coming in randomly. Yeah, I, love and, uh, that I think I think that's great, and especially just seeing Sarah when she first sees yes. the Terminator. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. And she thinks it's going to kill her or something. I think that's just a brilliant moment. 
and love also the scene prior to that too where Sarah tries to escape it really it shows how much she's grown as a character as well it really shows that she may not be a machine but she really is a force to be reckoned with too yeah yeah that, that's the only great power she tries to lie to, uh, to them and say she's fine and then and then she uh, later just uh, gets the paper clip and escapes and then she just beats the crap out of that one guy and then is on the run and then she grabs the doctor with the poison yeah I, I think it's great it's just a really well laid out uh, scene especially because I think it would have been really simple if they would have just left to be like oh John and uh, Arnie go, go in there and they find her and they take her out but yeah. they actually let her escape herself I know right I think that's definitely a brilliant uh, choice because it feels more authentic I guess to what the character would do that's right yeah and it would give Sarah also her moment to shine as well love it, just, mm-hmm. love it. And, and, and you definitely need that because you see that she's been working out and she's got these guns like, <laughs> let's see him put the work <laughs> I know right and yeah, I love that scene too. Yeah, and, yeah. And for me, uh, from the Terminator Two, this was a hard one for me. There are so many good moments, but personally, I find the entire scene at the mall to be the best for me. You know, where John tries to escape, and we see their first match between the Terminator and the T One Thousand. I feel like when the Terminators found out to be the good guy, this is the moment this entire film has been building towards. And it yeah, it's off. definitely like a big payoff moment. And I love that uh, when the uh, T-1000 sees John and then in the uh, arcade and he just tossing kids aside. <laughs> He's like, get out of here. And then like his friend tries to lie about him and then he just throws him away. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, the show is like... Yeah, yeah like John... Like, I'm sorry, you're saying? these kids just <laughs> just yoinks these kids right out of the way like I don't know I think it's just funny because I, I think there's definitely a bit of irony there because because he's a cop obviously he's just throwing these kids aside you know yeah. it's a great little comedy oh, moment police brutality really dark come on yeah. <laughs> and also John John's friend he really is such a good friend because he could have sold John to the T-1000 but instead he let him he helped him escape that's a good example of small role big impact because this kid he helped John, John escape and he basically saved all of humanity because of this one action just wow amazing. yeah yeah it's pretty pretty much like that it's kind of funny to think about that way right like how, how they always talk about how the future isn't set and and this is just one possible future. Exactly. You know, there's, definitely a, uh, there's definitely a future where that kid just sells him out and he just goes and shoots John right in the face and then <laughs> end credits. You know, right? Ooh, too I soon. I guess that's kind of, yeah, I guess that's the new Terminator, isn't it? Yes, yes. But no, that's just a fan fiction. Yeah. Not, not, not really canon. Don't worry about it. Good, good. And also, I love that entire car chase that's gotta be one of if not the best car chase in film in my personal opinion yeah I think Terminator has some of the best like Terminator 1 and 2 both have these really great chasings um, I, I think chasings for me I've never really been a huge fan because I think it gets kind of boring because you know it's just like I'm gonna lean on my window and shoot you a bit but I can't shoot your tires or anything so we're just gonna keep going and stuff and it gets kind of I think it's easy to get repetitive, but here they, they there's a lot going on, and right. there's definitely still that sense of dread that helps build the moment. And uh, 
it feels intense unlike most hard, uh, car chasing where you know how things are going to go oh yeah feel like you don't really know how this is going to end exactly yeah and the best part is there were not even a single sign of cgi in that entire car chasing it was all done practically just yeah not uh, aside from just practical effects the stunts i mean the stunts are amazing oh like, yeah the, there's no moment where you think like oh that's like a dummy being thrown <laughs> under this truck or whatever like it, it, it all feels pretty real it feels like these people are going through all this pain and uh you know i guess that's their job so i thank them for it because it looks really great and a small moment from that chasing i love every time arnie does the shotgun twirl that's so badass yeah i think that i I feel like when when i used to play with like nerf guns or stuff i I, I would try to do that (laughs) like that's such a cool move iconic for sure god love it just well done yeah Love this franchise. Well, the first two, anyway. Remember, the, the other four are just yeah. fanfic. No, let's forget yeah. about it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that is all the time we have left for today's episode. Thank you so much for coming here, Mason. You did a wonderful job. Thank you for having me, man. And uh, if you ever want to do it again, just let me know. Absolutely, yeah. And this has been Sin City, live for CMRU.ca with our very first-timer guest, Mason Seville. Thank you, Mason. Thank you. Thank you. And one more thing, too. Don't worry. I'll be back. Very nice, very nice. (laughs)